Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. So he bets the man needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. It is Saturday night and I'm your host, Keon Sabani, and we are just hitting record about half an hour or so after Real Madrid beat Sevilla 3-1 at the Santiago Bernabeu in what was a pretty comfortable game, all things considered, with a uncomfortable stretch throughout in the second half. And Real Madrid deserve to win, as they have pretty much every game this season, and are still cruising, first place, still undefeated. Fede Valverde still doing things you can't even do in video games, and it feels good to be in this position right now. And joining me tonight is Mehdi Hassan, got his fly shirt on as usual. Uh, I think it's a new one, right? No, this is the same one that matches with my bedsheet, kind of. <laughs> like, the thing with, with my wardrobe is, like, you wouldn't be able to tell if I'm wearing the same thing or something new because my entire wardrobe is just black shirts or white shirts and like the same one just like easy <laughs> i know what i'm throwing on before i leave the house before i record a podcast whatever so it's it's up to say so you can just get like 10 of those t-shirts or 10 of those uh dress shirts and uh, yeah. you'll be golden how you feeling after that win uh yeah I, i'm feeling well this was this was like such a real madrid game it again it kind of felt like a champions league night with the atmosphere at the beginning of the game, I think uh, first of all, like Casillas giving out the Yashin Trophy to Courtois, and then Zidane and Modric actually handing Ballon d'Or to Benzema. I have like this has got to be one of the most beautiful things I've seen Real Madrid do. And someone actually tweeted, uh, I think a famous Real Madrid associated account, that, uh, like Real Madrid doing the right things for the fans. Like this is 
ecstasy. This is this is like as good as it gets. And uh, Zidane was wearing like his three-peat outfit, that like little uh, jumper he wears inside and then his overcoat. So that brought back memories in itself. Uh, it was it was so beautiful to begin with, the golden TIFO and everything for Benzema. Great start for Real Madrid, uh, but then the game kind of spiraled into different places before it got back into like you know into Real Madrid's groove again and and Fede Valverde finished it off pretty comfortably but yeah i'm i'm completely happy with the game happy with the night uh, and uh, this is a night this is a comfortable win but uh, again we have talking points to talk about so all in all feeling feeling very good one of my favorite traditions that we have in this club apart from just winning more than any other club is keeping legends around. I think it's great for the culture. It's great for the environment. You know, we always have the honorary member and it's been kind of passed on. Di Stefano, he passes away. It's Pushkas. And then we have a, we have a Mancio. <clears throat> Although I think I actually got that mixed up. I, I think it was Di Stefano the whole mm-hmm. time. And then we had Gento. Uh, we had now, we have now Amancio. We always have the legends around. Chendo was always around. Butrogueno is an honorary member. All these previous Ballon d'Or winners, whether it's Figo, Ronaldo, Nazario, Zinedine Zidane, these guys are always around. And it's just great for the culture. I think it's it's just awesome to have these people around. You know, Raul coaching Castilla. It's awesome. I, I think it's it's great because it's good for the younger players to see and it's good for that just to be passed down. I have no doubts that when Modric, Cruz are gone, I, you know, they'll be around. I have no doubts that Sergio Ramos will be back. Um, Casillas obviously is around, and I, and I didn't really mention him. But, yeah, it's it's great, and it's, like, just cool to see. Like, no other club can just claim that, like, just have this conveyor belt of Ballon d'Or winners coming in and out, handing out awards to the, to the current players. It's an awesome sight to see. Um, let's break this down. So, off the top, we weren't sure what was going to happen with Benzema because yesterday – we knew that he was suffering some discomfort in training and he was in the squad. We weren't sure if he was going to play. If he was going to play, maybe it's um, the last 30 minutes or so. Today, he was officially ruled out. Last season, if you told us Benzema was going to be ruled out, we would have probably panicked and started sweating. This season, we have this thing going on where Rodrigo's playing well as a false nine. Fede Valverde is literally a supernova, probably sent from uh, an alien planet years ago. Um, and, and, and probably just has alien blood in him. We'll put it that way. And, and now we're just discovering all this. So it's not as crazy to, it's not as panic inducing to lose Benzema, although it's not ideal either. We want to have Benzema on the field. So, so that happened. So we saw Benzema ruled out Rodrigo Fede Vinicius starting up top two and many more Cruz. The back line picks itself. This is, this is what Ancelotti rolls in, in a big game. And, I think it was correct to head into this game treating it like a big game where you don't rest and rotate because although Sevilla have been brutal this season, there is you have to respect them in the sense that they have good players on the field and at any point maybe they can turn their season around. You have to respect it. Um, so Isco starts in their, as their false nine, although I think Lamella was trying to be more of the target than Isco was when those crosses were coming in. And you see this kind of unfold. Sevilla defending on paper was 4-3-3, but I think on defense they were going with a 4-1-4-1 mid-block of sorts. 
Real Madrid were pressing high in this game. I think it was working. Both teams were giving the ball away out of the back because maybe a combination of bad passing, but also the pitch had issues, although some players suffered more than others. What was your assessment, Mehdi, of the first, like, let's say, I I was going to say 10, 15 minutes when Mordor scores after, like, what, five minutes? But you can include that in your analysis as well, the goal. So so maybe, like, the 10, first 10, 15, 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, before I do that, I'll, I'll just, like, uh, put a little comment on the Benzema news that he, he wasn't going to play this game. So I get these awful Real Madrid news is right after waking up because that's the kind of times that I live in. Uh, one day I woke up, okay, Ronaldo is leaving for Juventus. The the It's official. One day I woke up, okay, Zidane left. <laughs> one day I woke up, okay, Benzema can't play again. So I, I get the worst Real Madrid news right after waking up because of the time zone and stuff. But you're, you're right that I have more confidence in this team than before that they can get it get through they can get through and get a win even without Benzema but obviously having Benzema is uh drastically uh, more ideal because you would want to have the best player of the world in your team now to the analysis of the first few minutes of the game uh what was very evident that Real Madrid wanted to pin Sevilla back right away they had five men pinning Sevilla's back line as deep as they could just right away off of the of the block and I'm sure nobody, I, I don't know if anybody asked Ancelotti or uh, if it was brought up at all in the press conference at all. Uh, we'll probably hear from you and later on managingmadrid.com on this. But I, I kind of felt like that Modric center forward kind of came back for this game at certain stretches. Rodrigo was uh, the deeper one. Or Vinicius, Vinicius and Fede were basically playing as wingers, and Rodrigo and Modric were the playing as the two uh, out and out players, the two furthermost players. So, well, it worked this time. Uh, nothing like the Barcelona debacle, but the, initially, I think Real Madrid's extremely aggressive press was very evident. Uh, evident. Uh, we do know that Jorge Sampaoli teams themselves like to press as well. So Madrid, I think they just didn't want them to get want to give them the chance to press them at all. They took the initiative, and uh, it worked. It worked. I think Real Madrid was at least for the first half an hour of the game very dominant with their press, very high with their press. Uh, the goal came in very early as well. That that kind of set the game into motion for a while for the coming. 20-25 minutes and then it spiraled as I mentioned that it spiraled into different phases of domination for both teams but starting I think Madrid started to press with five men pinning Sevilla's five men back and that was that was pretty evident I think right from the word go yeah I think like it was because you noted Modric's role that was interesting I you know obviously wasn't you know the classical false nine thing but I, <laughs> I believe I can't remember now but I believe he had the most shots on at, at halftime and and he was getting involved and it was a very fluid kind of midfield and attack like Chuameni himself was popping up um close to the top of the box top of Sevilla's box he was combining, providing vertical outlets with Modric and, and combining with Carvajal on that side. Other times he was dropping deep to win the ball. Rodrigo, as a false nine, I think played it pretty well and was floating. He had a good chance in the box. He was combining well with Vini. He was winning the ball. He was, I mean, 
talking about the press. I think him and Vinny both won the ball in key moments. We even pressed uh, Sevi on a goal kick, which Bonu gave it away. We were making them really uncomfortable. So I think it, it, it the over, overall, the press was pretty good. I also thought our counter press was pretty good too. Um, with Modric, I'm just so impressed at the way he kind of just moves without the ball and just provides an outlet. Because like the the goal happens early enough that we can break it down. Montiel just malfunctions in that moment. Vinicius takes the ball. And two things stood out. Vinicius has gotten really, really good. And this is not new because I, last year he was really good at this. Of just when he gets in that left flank, he looks across. If he doesn't see anyone, he doesn't blindly hit it into the, across the face of goal. Someone has to be there. And this, is, I think, goes back to the whole, you know, famous thing where Benzema was showing him the hand last year. And he's, you know, <laughs> and ever since really that, that moment, Vinicius's cutbacks have been very calculated and composed. He cuts in, he waits, makes sure there's something on. He doesn't just hit it into the box blindly. And in that case, two things. One was that it was great composure from Vinicius. And two was a fantastic run from Mordic off the ball. Because Modric, he's just he's just making that run, and as much as Montiel got um, crucified for that goal and his defending overall in the first half, rightfully so, Marcao is also lost in a bunch of these sequences, and he's late to a bunch of challenges. And in that sequence, he's also loses Modric completely on that run. So just a, it's just a great bit of everything. It's interesting, like there is a ceiling to this team now. That is really encouraging, even when you're not playing well. And I'm not saying Real Madrid didn't play well, but there, it's just that very few teams right now have a, that gear that Real Madrid can go to. Where like, okay, so if you have a good spell, they equalize, they have a couple more good chances after they equalize, they get some momentum. But it's just like, like Vinicius, I think in the eyes of a lot of people, didn't have a good game. But he comes out with two assists, and again, when he doesn't, even when he doesn't play well, he's a moments player. Could he have done better in certain situations? Of course. Then you have like the Fede of Alberta goal, just a, basically a sucker punch. It's like it, it must be just like getting a sword through the heart when you experience that that goal, because like it's just completely demoralized in playing against. And I think the ability to for the thing with Real Madrid, and this is thing we've been talking about. We talked about this after the Clasico. They don't need to punch you a hundred times. They just need to uppercut you twice. And but if they need to, they can punch you a hundred times too. Like they can literally, they have the ability to generate a bunch of chances. But that they don't is also by design because Ancelotti, as he said after the classical, we don't want to thrash teams. We want to win games. And you can debate that all you want. You can say, okay, well, it'd be nice to thrash some teams too, Carlo. But um, I. Ultimately, what's happening with Real Madrid this season is that we're scoring goals when we need to score goals. And we're defending when we need to defend. And I think by design, what Ancelotti, how Ancelotti defines that is that when we're winning, we can just be conservative and make sure we don't concede. And knowing how this team has at least one defensive lapse in them per game, you know, I guess limiting those defensive lapses by being more conservative makes sense. 
And when you like, it, and and also the counterattacking weapons that we have now allows that for ha- that to happen, right? If our counterattacking options were Kion and Mehedi, you know, we probably wouldn't be relying on that. But our counterattacking options are Vinicius <laughs> and Fede Valverde and Rodrigo and Benzema, so we can't. So I think it's it's just kind of interesting to see this unfold and the evolution of of Real Madrid under Carlo Ancelotti. This is where we are right now. We can basically score when we want to, and we just doesn't seem like we always want to, but when we when we have to, we we're pretty devastating in attack if we if we need to be. Yes, and this t- team kind of takes it for granted in a positive way that we're gonna win, like no matter what. Like score your equalizer, get your equalizer out of the way, get your early goal out of the way. We're we're gonna score when we need to. Uh, they like they take it almost. I don't know if it makes sense saying it like that, that taking it for granted, but in a positive way that they have that confidence that they will come back. But I do want to add some things about Vinicius is that I do know that he has been under some criticism since the derby that he's not playing well uh, and everything. But we do need to point out that Vinicius is still our leader in goals plus assists this season. And uh, that just doesn't happen by chance. And also... I don't I'm not convinced that he's really bothered by the Darby stuff and all that stuff. I don't I don't think that's that really matters to him. If there is a slight dip, it's it's natural and I think he's still playing at a pretty high level. And when this much into the season your Real Madrid's highest goals plus assist provider, you're not really playing bad. And today, I, I like I tweeted that his miss, the chance that he missed, uh, that was almost inexcusable. That was like 2020 Vinny. We don't want to see 2020 Vinny. He has worked so hard to f- make us forget about 2020 Vinny. 2022 Vinny should finish these chances off. But even then, he came out with two assists. So that goes on to show like the kind of player he has become that... Even on his off nights, he's scoring a goal, he's providing assists, he's, he's doing all those things. And his his defensive contribution is something that is given. He, like, no matter how he plays in offense, he's going to pro- give you that defensive support no matter what. And another caveat I want to add to this is Vinicius against Sevilla is, is kind of different because if, you, if we remember, I think... Two of the worst misses of Vinicius's Real Madrid career is against Sevilla in the 2020-21 season. One of them is when Real Madrid wore that black kit with the dragon kit uh, for some kind of tribute, I think. That game was against Sevilla and there was this clip that literally the ball was going into Bono's hand and Vinicius missed it like under the goal bar. That was away at the uh, Sanchez Pichuan. And at Valdebebas, when that was like, I think the 36th or 37th game of the season, we drew against Sevilla. We lost the league title. In that game, there was a miss that Vinicius struck the ball with his right foot. The ball hit his left foot and went out. And Modric, Benzema, and everyone, they just fell down to the ground. Uh, so, that, and come the next season, uh, Vinicius was really great against Sevilla on both legs. He scored the winner at the Bernabeu. Uh, he also, I think, played really well at the Sanchez Pizuan as well when we came from 2-0 down. And in this game, it was kind of a mixed bag. He provided two assists. He he missed a, uh, missed a really great chance. He missed a couple of really great chances. 
But Vinicius against Sevilla is always interesting since that since Zidane's last season because he 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 missed a couple of chances that could have ended literally could have won Real Madrid the title. But then again, he was he was excellent since then against Sevilla. So that was interesting. Again, we we kind of got to see both sides of Vinicius in this game versus Sevilla. I feel like you know how Carlo had that famous quote last year where he said you, we we asked Vinicius to take one or two touches in front of goal. He could have used that in that sequence where Fede Valverde does that kind of nice flick to him in the box, and he's one on one with Bonu when he tries to round him. It's a really difficult angle to round Bonu. You know what I mean? Because it's not like it, there's not that much space between Bonu and the goal, and also the angle that he's trying to do that straight on is a little bit more difficult to do. In that moment, I think the advice of take one or two touches would have made sense, right? I was also yeah. surprised because uh, I was looking at the XG chart. The one on like in the 71st minute that is like on a very, very tight angle open net. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. The the one that people thought could, could have been a penalty. <laughs> Which it wasn't, yeah. Because the yeah. the commentators were like, you know, if he if he gone down there, like like literally there was no contact. <laughs> like it was Sevilla's players running into each other. Anyway, so that one was 0.57 on the XG chart, which is basically on par with Luka Modric's goal. And I was I guess I was surprised when that because when I was watching that, it seemed like the angle was really tight. It's not to say that he can't score from that angle, but I think it would have made sense to not try to shoot that. Take a take a touch if you can, bring it down and look up and try to square it across the face of goal. Because I think I'd have to watch it again, but I think Mordic um was was there if he if he was able to score. But I have to look at it again. Um look, this Vinicius thing, he has this trait that and not to compare him with Cristiano Ronaldo, who's the greatest player in club history, but he has this trait like Cristiano did where Cristiano at his peak it didn't matter if he wasn't having a great game because he was still cold-blooded in the, like the 90th minute when he had that chance to do something. And he had that ability to, to transcend the moment. Vinicius has been that for a while now where he can have games where he's not playing good. He's showing up with an assist or a goal by the end of it. As you noted, the most goals and assists this season. Um. So the Vin- the the Vinicius performance again. This has been. It's not like he was lights out great, but he was awesome in in key moments, and and that's what I think needs to be noted about him. I did want to revisit some of the early stuff too in the first half. Too many was a standout to me, especially in a game where like you know it's it seemed like Carvajal and Militao in particular were having trouble hitting accurate passes out of the back and now again i don't know if it was it was related to the pitch or the weather because some players on both teams were having issues with that too many was so press resistant just didn't matter if he had two three players on him deep stay stayed calm played the right outlet pass dribbled out of pressure his tracking was pretty good i think the only one the only one place i think you can take issue with was when he took the yellow card he was pretty late to the challenge and the man I think to be fair to him, though, there was, should have been a foul called back earlier on Militao in that same sequence, which would have negated that, but regardless. Um, his 
His movement between the lines were pretty good. He had some magic, magical ball progression sequences alongside Luka Modric. Um, he denied Rakitic in the box in the second half brilliantly. The other one I guess I can nitpick is that he had like a bad pass coming out of the back in the second half, which Lamella actually nearly scores from. This is when he's, when when uh, Sevilla had their momentum. But I thought he was a standout to me. Um, and then the other one in midfield, and we already kind of talked about Modric, but Cruz just quietly <laughs> the most influential <laughs> player on the ball. He attempted 100 passes, completed 97 of them, which is just a normal day at the office for him. The The next person in line with attempted passes with was Militao with 63. Um, I have to look at the touches too. Let me see. Yeah, 113 touches for Cruz. Far and away the most of anyone on the field. Just ab- absurd. Um, yeah, so if I don't know if you had any notes on, on Chuomeni, Cruz, or anyone else. Yeah, Chuomeni's performance once again was really good. And it's it's just so refreshing to see that kind of press resistance with with someone that's playing with Kroos and Modric. And I mean absolutely no disrespect when I say this to Casemiro because I, I freaking love Casemiro. He is like... Scored a Casemiro equalizing goal today in the 94th minute yeah. versus Chelsea. Yeah, he channeled his inner Real Madrid. And uh, to my Casemiro, Chuomini, you know, parallels, I, I still believe Chuomini still has a long way to go to attain Casemiro's defensive intelligence. Chuomini is great as is, but Casemiro in defense was was a completely different beast we're talking about here. But strictly talking about press resistance, I think that has made Real Madrid's floor and ceiling both high, at least in midfield this season, because buildup is so quick, so fluid this this time around, because like you you can't really press this guy. He's strong. If if you're trying to physically press him, he will hold on to the ball and like shove you away. And uh, there was one moment I think he too many channeled his inner Furlan Mendy inside the Real Madrid box and like dribbled and did did something some cheeky things and he got out. <laughs> what the, the uh, like classic Zinedine Mendy stuff? Ironically, uh, I think and then he made the pass to Mendy himself after the the, yeah, yeah. the pioneer. Of- <laughs> Yeah, as a tribute, as a tribute. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th- this was a this was a game where you could see the stuff that Chuamini was doing, and I th- I think it was great. And he is he's just such a great addition to this team. Yeah, um, you said it, and no disrespect to Casemiro, who is the quite frankly the greatest ball winner of this generation. There's no one like him. Yeah. Um, yeah. does have that ability on the ball, and I think. It, I think he'll improve defensively too, and I think he's been good defensively. But I think positionally, there are there are moments where he could be a little better. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just looking through the Ancelotti quotes. There's nothing really that stands out. He did say Fede has a knock. Mm-hmm. I'll play Tuesday. I think it's a precaution. I'm fine with him not playing Tuesday. Just bubble wrap him. Whoever else needs mm-hmm. to wrap, bubble wrap all of them. It's not. It's not going to make or break our season on Tuesday. Um, we should also make yeah. it that like Papu Gomez should be arrested. Anyone yeah, instantly? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> that was just uh, uncalled for at the end there. Um, uh, on on a more serious note, on the Papu Gomez thing, I think uh, I. By the way, I I was 
listening to you and Diego on the Patreon episode of the Churros last night, a, a lot of things brought in there. But <clears> one <throat> thing I would like to note that La Liga is just La Liga is still living in like medieval times when it comes to acknowledging certain things, implementing certain things. The tackle that Papu Gomez made, made on Fede Valverde, he would be banned for five games in the Premier League, even if they check that foul retrospectively, he would be banned for at least three to five games. Because in the Premier League, they do that. If a foul is that harmful, if it's not called during the game, they load back all the challenges after the game. And if something's that harmful, they ban the player. And because they do that, those kind of things don't happen as much now in the Premier League. Well, of course, like they have their refereeing issues as well. But uh, like this is literally related to player health. He had zero intention to win the ball there. His only intention was to directly, not even like win the ball or not even to hurt the player. It was almost as if he was trying to injure him directly. So this kind of, this is like, this this is misconduct to me. This is not like a sportsman conduct, what Papu Gomez did. And the game was already over. This guy like just scored a banger against your team. You're just coming in. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it was completely unacceptable. And uh, there are like so many things La Liga can improve on. And refereeing is definitely one of them. These kind of law impl- implementations is one of them. Uh like I'm just going to go digress just a little bit. Did you catch that thing where a uh, couple of managers grab uh, Graham Potter and I forgot who was the other one? Yeah, managers were interviewing themselves after I the game it, and they yeah. were like talking about tactics and stuff. So really cool. y- you see, that's why the like Premier League. That's not the only reason, but these are the kind of things that the Premier League does. That's why their marketing is so huge. That's why their market is so huge. Uh, but yeah, I'm just frustrated with La Liga for so many things. And I think the Papu Gomez thing just, you know, it, it adds to it. I don't, so I don't, I don't watch La Liga TV because in Canada, um, yeah, we, don't, I, um, we don't, we don't have that, right? We, we do the yeah. ESPN, TSN thing. And when I'm in Spain, I'm just either at the games or watching in Spanish. So, but from what I understand in, in La Liga TV, I think they have some ex players or coaches or whatever. Um, and on ESPN they they do too as well. To be fair, but I, I yeah, but like, but to your point, there is a different level of analysis when you actually bring in coaches. Like, mm-hmm. I love Mourinho as a coach, but there's nothing I love more than hearing him speak on TV. It's like everyone in the room just shuts the hell up, and they're like, "Wow, shit!" Like we, this guy's on another level. Like we cannot, literally, we cannot have a dialogue with this guy because he's in a different dimension. Wenger was the same. Um, it's really cool to have these guys on TV for sure. I love Henri. Henri's analysis is always on point. That's a different subject. I'm watching the Papu Gomez thing now. It's pretty bad. He should have. I, I watching it now because in passing, I was just kind of like going over some stats, and it was kind of in the background because it was the end of the game. I'm watching it now. It should be a red card. It's a yeah. horrendous challenge because he's it, the ball is nowhere near it. He's like he's not even trying to attempt to go for the ball. He literally just has his knee up. He's going to Fede's hip, hip thigh area. Mm-hmm. Luckily, just based on what it looks like, it looks like just maybe it'll be a bruise or a Charlie horse or something mm-hmm. like that. And no nothing, no ligaments, no ankles, no knees involved. Luckily, but yeah, it's it's a really bad challenge. That stuff. 
if you let that stuff go, you know, slip again, like, and again, I don't like talking about the referees at all. But as you said, this is actually more of a player health issue, a player safety issue more than like, oh, you're getting screwed by the referee or not. This is like, you got to protect the players, especially the gem, who's by the way, you can't market your league. This guy is going to be like your one of your more marketable players now in the league. You got to protect them. Yeah. We got to talk yeah. about Fetty now. Like, I don't... Yeah. Okay, the, the last game against Barca, I... Wait, no. What was it? Did we have a game after Barca? Yeah, Elche. <laughs> Elche, yeah. <laughs> after the Elche game, I said, this guy is a video game. Like, But after this game, I said, you can't even do this stuff in video games. That's. I think he's, he's taking a leap that I didn't even know was in the yeah. cards. Like when we talked about not signing a right winger, signing a right winger, this name and that name. None of us in our right minds, no matter how much you love Fede Valverde, we're thinking about like, oh, well, Fede Valverde will score like, <laughs> how many goals did he score this season? I think it, 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 this was his eighth, I think. And not just, uh, not just eight goals, like just devastation. Like there are like, I'll, I'll tell you exactly like a handful of players who are, playing out of their minds right now it's like it's him holland mm -hmm. and throw kevin de bruyne in there maybe jude bellingham yeah tony cruz it's like it's he's just literally and i kind of joke but i think it's not a joke i think it's a half joke i think maybe cruz's tweet about him being top three almost underrates him at this point obviously it's like you know obviously it's kind of it's kind of an exaggeration but like he's just on another level none of us the point is none of us thought about him this way when we were talking about signings and not no first of all like even if we believed he had a leap no one thought that he is going to be a a right winger and the funny thing yeah. is like at this stage of the game when he scores this goal he's actually technically a center midfielder because Asensio comes in and they reshift it although in that game state He's basically everything anyway. He's a midfielder, winger. The, the funny thing is it's almost blurry because when he plays winger, you can see him doing things in midfield. When he plays midfield, you can see him doing things in attack. He's just everywhere. In this game, also, when he was playing on the right wing in the first half, he was dropping deep in central channels, like providing vertical outlets for Cruz, you know, coming out of the back. Nowhere near the right wing. And then on other occasions, he's just burning... Uh, Alex Tejas on the, on that wing and putting these incredible balls into the box. I don't know. It just wasn't on the cards for me. As much as I love Fede Valverde, and you can't tell me like, oh, it's because you didn't believe in Fede. I always knew. Like, no, you didn't know. Nobody knew this was on the. <laughs> Nobody knew this was on the table. This is insane stuff. This is unbelievable. Because he's not just taking a leap. He's literally one of the best players in the world. Yes, that is 100% true. And I, I don't think this is an exaggeration at all to say that he's top three in the world. Like, if if he's not, like, who is? <laughs> like, who is that midfielder and which team is he playing for who's playing better than Fede Valverde at the moment? And But, by the way, do you know what happened yesterday? Like, me, Jose, Rahul, we were kind of joking about it on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so, someone compared... Fede Valverde with Ferran Torres yesterday said that 
Ferran Torres is basically the Fede Valverde of Barcelona. Not so much skillful, but efficient, like or something along those lines. I don't remember the exact tweet. So I mean, like I would say, let this, them be this... happy. <laughs> and and <laughs> this kind of ties up. <laughs> this kind of ties up really nicely about like there was a question on the mailback yesterday when like said that how Barcelona people perceive us yeah. and uh, Lucas actually made a really good point that they their perception of us is really low that low that they think that Ferran Torres is at Fede Valverde's level somehow or like vice versa so that that, that was that was really funny to me but about Fede's leap yes this is this is almost unthinkable and Probably not so much about his devastation part because he has always been at that explosive player, one of the best line breakers in, in the team, in the world, if I may say. But when you add this kind of devastating scoring ability to that, at that point, he literally becomes a cheat code. He literally becomes a video game character, as you mentioned. So I am so happy and I'm I'm... I'm even more happy because he's a Castilla product. He was originally purchased from Penarol, of course. Uh, we were not yeah. going to deny that, but but he he came through the ranks of Castilla. He's the one that stayed. He's the one that learned. And he, this guy, even like he he he's so modest. After Cruz said that uh, you were top three in the world, he was actually interviewed by Real Madrid TV. And during that interview, they pulled up that tweet that this like, did you see the tweet? from Cruz and he was just like so shy and saying that all I do is try to learn from Cruz. So that kind of demeanor, that kind of thought process, that kind of mentality, it's it's just a Real Madrid legend in the making for me. So I am I am so, so happy and so high on Fede right now. I closed the tab because I don't have it in front of me anymore, but Ancelotti was talking after the game about like how this is the easiest group of players he's ever managed ever because it's he said and i think the word he used was they're just so respectful and like it's it's again i you know we've talked about this a lot been a, i've been watching Real Madrid since 1998 i've never seen a team this unified in my life ever like there's been there's been seasons obviously where we've been spectacular we've won so many important titles but there's something about this cohesiveness that just hasn't existed before because and I will say like in the last I would say re- really since Zidane arrived there's been very few polemicas Zidane is a coach I mean mm-hmm. growing up as a fan of this team, there was always some shit happening. Drama behind the scenes. You don't need to get into it, but it's just a long list year to year. But really, I would say since Zidane arrived, and you know there were some things that happened there for sure behind the scenes and in the papers and stuff. But it just progressively, I thought the culture just kind of changed. I think that has to do a little bit with everything. With Zidane himself, but also Carlo himself, the way they manage. Florentino, I think has come a long way and has changed his presidential style. And also, we've been really targeting culture players. I'm not going to say that that's necessarily true, actually, because we tried to target somebody who was not a culture player this summer. (laughs) Probably dodged a bullet there now looking in hindsight. (laughs) But 
but but point is Ancelotti's point about this is like the easiest team he's ever managed is is something that I think it, it should be noted from the post game uh, press conference. Um, yeah, uh, a, a quick comment about that. Yeah, that's that's not really shocking to me that Ancelotti said that because Ancelotti has had to deal with some of the worst issues, dressing room issues ever. Like when he was at PSG, when he was at Milan for the first time, uh, and uh, when he was at Chelsea, he has had to deal with some of the most critical dressing room issues probably in the history of football. So compared to that, when you like consider this team where like Hazard who doesn't even play, but he like he's still smiling, playing rock, paper, scissors with Rudy and the bench and every everyone is just like a family in this team so yeah I, i'm not surprised that he said that because compared to this some of the teams that he has had to manage over the years those were like brutal so of course this is this is the easiest team to manage um we didn't talk about the goal that we conceded what was your mm-hmm. assessment and breakdown of that uh well <laughs> uh i don't know if uh like what what's the term placebo effect means like your your perception of something changes based on something happened something like that uh, so my my answer to this would have been probably been more critical uh if had we not won the game but mm-hmm. i'll i'll be a bit less critical now that we have won the game sure uh i think it has got to do less with any structural issue and it has got more to do with just switching off and this is that's why i said at the beginning of the podcast that this was such a classic real madrid game because switching off defensively without any prior notice without any reason is a very real madrid thing and i think that's what we did it the ball carrier montiel was under absolutely no pressure there were three real madrid players around him i think vinicius cruz and mandy were the three who if they wanted, they could have pressed him a little, but they were just, like all three of them just just ball watching. And by the time uh, he got into a position to release the ball, there wasn't much Alaba or uh, I think it was Carvajal that they could have done. And it was uh, a really good run by Lamela as well. Uh, Courtois did what he could. He got a hand to it, but one time for like first touch finish, you can't really expect the goalkeeper to do much when, when the finish is, is pretty good. To me, yeah. So I, I would say this wasn't really a structural issue that uh, Sevilla somehow broke Real Madrid's structure. It's just that we switched off in that moment. We had three players who either of those three, if they wanted, they probably could have given some trouble to Montiel, but they did not, and that's where you can see them. Um, I saw some criticism of Courtois. Shouldn't, having, should have saved that. And to that, I would say, wash your mouth. This guy, yeah, and, and if, yeah. if anyone has <laughs> is allowed to make one mistake, yeah, it's him. Um, and if this is in the Champions League, in the Champions League final, he'll save this, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so there's criticism for Vinicius for trying to dummy, I'm not sure who was on the flank. Um, obviously, he doesn't pull that off, and and obviously becomes extra problematic because. Now Sevilla and a chance to rebound. And and you mentioned Montiel's pass. He had a better second half than he did in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, once Vinicius loses it there, I think 
I think it, you have to just also give some credit to Lamella for doing something that I think was not too preventable from that moment on when the when Montiel mm-hmm. has the ball, and that is that he's neither Militao nor Alaba nor Ferlan Mendy's man. It's Carvajal's, and the great part of Lamella in that play is that he makes that run diagonally across, like horizontally. And Carvajal just can't catch him in that situation. It's just a great run. I think you have to tip your hat off to Lamella in that situation. Mm-hmm. The finish wasn't great because you think you know Courtois probably saves that nine times out of ten, but um, that's a, that's a big moment. Um, we can also just kind of fast forward to the subs here. So, mm-hmm. 64th minute, comes in for Chuomeni. Um then you have 76th minute was the more game-changing one. Carvajal and Modric come out. So does Ferland Mendy. It's triple sub. Lucas Vazquez comes in. Rudiger comes in. Or sorry, yeah, Rudiger comes in. And uh, the third one was Asensio. Uh, Asensio, yeah. Yeah. Asensio and Vazquez, two subs combined for the goal. The go-ahead goal. I thought it was brilliant from Asensio because... The turn was was great. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but to me, my stupid brain thought, well, he's going to play that out wide. I forget who was out wide in that situation. But he pl- he disguises it and plays it vertically to Vinicius instead, which is brilliant because Vinicius is now on a break. And Vinicius just makes the right decision to play it off to Vasquez, who I believe scores it with, the, with his first touch. So, yeah. huge sub. Yes, and about Asensio, when he's motivated and he's not really worried about contracts and stuff like that and he's only thinking about the team, playing for the team, he's an unbelievable substitution to have when he's in this kind of form. He's he's going through a little really good patch, scored in the last game, really important contribution for the go-ahead goal in this game. And uh, yeah, well, kudos to him where, where it's due. Uh about the other substitutions, uh, I have a point to add about Carvajal. So I don't think this was necessarily one of Carvajal's better games since his comeback to form. This it was, was a rough this one. This was, I think, r- yeah, this was a rough one. And I don't, I don't necessarily say that for his defensive part. I say that for his attacking part. So Carvajal's drop off from like 2016 17 Carvajal the drop off in offense has been much drastic than probably the drop off in defense i would yeah. even say there is not much drop off in defense but in offense he he used to have this amazing technique of an uh outswinging cross that uh, he used to like deliver on a regular basis to bale and ronaldo and they would just score tons of goals like that but Right now, he he doesn't. I don't think he has that technique anymore, or has that skill anymore, or he has enough confidence in that skill anymore. So right now, all his crosses are in swinging crosses, which are not really effective most of the times. Uh, but except Lucas for that Vasquez, one to Rodrigo in, against yeah, Manchester except City. for the one to against Manchester City, that was probably the last good one. And there was another against uh another. To Benzema that got disallowed against Elche. That 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 was a good cross as well. 
that I can just remember from the top of my head. But yeah, his his probably his last really breathtaking cross was against Manchester City. But uh, in in that regard, I was a little disappointed with Carvajal. But then again, he he's kind of playing uh, in a stretch. Vasquez hasn't given him much rest in the last few games. I think in the next game, Vasquez should start and rest Carvajal to bring him fresh, uh, to freshen him up again. Uh, that's that. And uh, I, I didn't really, I, I don't think Rudiger really needed to do much since he came on. Uh, he was he was good, I guess. I didn't really notice what he did because he didn't really need to do anything drastic, I believe, since he came on. Uh, Kamavinga was was solid. He was He was... He again, by the time he came in, Sevilla have already put 10 men behind the ball. So he didn't really get much line breaking to two. It was just screening and trying to find the right man on top of Sevilla's box, which I think he did fairly well in the time that he had. Uh, so all in all, another Carlo Ancelotti masterstroke with the substitutions that changed the game like that. And uh, we bagged all three. Um, you said something that I wanted to touch on. Uh Shoot, uh, I lost my train of thought. Asensio, Carvajal. Yeah, it was Carvajal. I, I, the thing with Carvajal, too, is I still think his crossing is really good. And it's super underrated. It always has been. But I think your point about the in-swinging one, or the out-swinging one, is that part of the reason I think he also could do that in the past is he could get to the byline easier and beat players off the dribble. He can't really do that anymore. And hasn't been able to for quite some time. As you said, defensively, he's been pretty monstrous for a long time now, even when out of form. Offensively, his crossing still is pretty good, but he just can't dribble past players the way he used to. And, and I think that that's part of the issue. Um, I think we already kind of... I don't really have much else to say on the third goal. Again, cause we've already discussed it. It was super low on the XG chart. It was basically a flamethrower slingshot. Anything else to add? Uh, what was your thoughts on Rodrigo in this game? I liked his performance in that. I, I think it was, and Ancelotti was saying after the game that it was similar to Benzema, that it's not a quote-unquote defined role. It's a very free role. I thought um, he broke lines pretty well. He had the right intention. He won the ball well with the press. His dribbling was good. What was off for him was his shooting. Um... He had that one in the first half where he dribbles really well, gets it on an angle and tries to shoot a far post, but shoots it way over. But again, well-intentioned. He had another one in the second half where he had this like almost low-drop-esque dribble, gets past his man in a tight space. And that was like a period of the game where Sevilla had equalized and they had so many numbers and it was trying to, they mm-hmm. were they had like just a million players in the back line. Good dribbling, but his shooting was off. I liked his performance. Wasn't that effective, but... I, I liked his free roaming role. I thought I thought he actually tried to replicate what Benzema brought to the table, but you know, obviously, just couldn't score. Yeah, I think uh, the the loud drop chance that you you're mentioning that got me a little disappointed because the Rodrigo I have seen so far, I expect him to at least challenge the goalkeeper from from that kind of a position. Yeah. After he has done the hard part, after he has done the hard part, he's got gotten past his man and there was like a lot of space in front of him at that point he probably like could have even taken an extra touch there but uh these guys have been like working so hard playing so well i think there is enough slack to cut them (laughs) uh it's okay yes yeah especially when the team is winning and scoring like sometimes you know like this is classic i mean look 
this is kind of like the Raptors. You know the Raptors. Some days yeah. it's, yeah, it's OG. <laughs> some days it's Pascal. Some days it's Scotty. Some days it's Fred. You know, different players may step up in different games while other players may not be at the peak of their powers. It's okay. As long as the team gets a W and, you know, the rest you just kind of you patch it together. Um I'm going to do I'm going to do that thing right now where I basically skim through my notes. But mm-hmm. um but while I do that, why don't you do why don't you tell me if there's anything else we miss on your end? Uh I'm just checking my notes. No, we we have pretty much talked about everything. The the La Liga bylaws, the refereeing, that was my last point, but we already covered that already. So there's nothing more to add to that. We covered Carvajal's crossing. Uh, and yeah, I think I think we covered everything. I do want to remind you that uh, you have to mention the Patreons at the end. Yeah, patron shout outs. We're going to do that right now. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm just going to, Scott, there's nothing that really glares outstanding that we miss. There's a couple of things, but they're kind of like, you know, they're kind of boring stuff that we don't need to get into, especially when my kids are going to barge down my office door anytime. They one of them try. I don't know if he, did you hear him on the podcast? I muted the microphone. Yeah, my two year old came uh, in. Uh, <laughs> he asked me why I have headphones on. Uh, all right. So, okay. So, uh, you guys know the drill. One of the things we do here is that if you pledge $10 or more, on patreon.com slash managing widget. Not only do you get access to our entire back catalog, all of our bonus podcasts, everything that every patron gets access to, including the Champions League post-game shows. So this Tuesday, we're going to do a post-game show live on Zoom. If you want access in it live, you want to access it after the fact, you have to be a patron over patreon.com slash managing widget. But if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So if you like The work we do, you want to support high-quality journalism, you want to stay away from the sensationalized side of things, you want to be a part of a Real Madrid family, then go over to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. So shout-out to these $10-plus patrons, Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Tarek Goktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujaiwani, Sumanshu Singh, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero Zubiare, Nicholas uh, Moller, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, uh, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lex, Logan Stahl, Leon Sabernakis, Kunal Telekar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Khan P., Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Antons Rudenko, sorry, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Alex Steiberg, Al Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalikovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Makhrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. Legends, the list keeps growing. Appreciate you all. Mehedi, thanks for your time, my friend. 
appreciate it. Thank you. We'll chat soon. Take care and halamadin. Halamadin.